and they got to work to try to make everything work. We still didn't get everything up. But here's what I know. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I know this for a fact, and I know that the spirit of God is in this place. So all the bells and the whistles, God cares nothing about. What he cares about is that we come in this place with a heart ready to worship and glorify his name. Are y'all ready to glorify his name? Amen. So I don't have either screen today. I know you guys got this screen, but what you guys don't know is while I'm preaching, I kind of peek at to the sides, but now you know that, but it's okay. We're going to get through this. Um, So the title of the message is, Are You In? And the funny thing about this is it's not the kind of message that you think it is because usually when you hear are you in, it's like are you committed, are you this, are you that. It's not about that at all. It's are you I-N-N. And I'm going to get to all that. In John chapter 14, Jesus, it's the most famous supper ever. We even got pictures on our wall, right, about the last supper And the disciples are sad because Jesus says this to them in John chapter 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And let me just say to you today, if your hearts are troubled, Jesus says this, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for these moments that you make special, God. And so, God, I just pray that your presence would be here, that you would touch hearts with your word, God. Not me. Allow me to decrease. I want you, Father, to touch hearts, to speak to hearts today. Use me. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And the saints said, hey, I got a question for you guys today, as I usually do. Um, So if you had a new car and you drove up to a gas station, right, how would you know what side the gas tank was on? Yeah, see, y'all smart people know. If you know, if you know how to tell, stop telling your wife, I see you. (laughs) If you know how to tell, just just raise your hand. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm 52 years old. I just found out today. No, I'm kidding. I found out this, I found out this week. This week, y'all, I found out. I was shocked. I'm like, I look at this every single day, and I did not see the arrow right there on the, on the icon that is, you know, that's shaped like a, a gas pump, right? And it points to the right or to the left. And I'm like... Amazing, amazing. I was delivered. I was like, these people think of everything or I think of nothing. 
one or the other. But that was amazing to me. That was a great revelation. See, in the tone of people that already knew that, listen, okay, so let's just do this. If you did not know, and you were part of my crew, could, could I see your hands? Are you bold enough? If you did not know. Listen, we got a doctor in the house, and if the doctor don't know, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm all right. That man got a PhD. I'm good. <laughs> but I did not know, and the tone of those who knew would be like, that is obvious. How do you not know this driving every single day of your, no one taught you? No, I just get in the car and drive it, and when I need to go get gas, you remember. But you get in a new car, what, this is so crazy. When I get in a new car, you know what I do? I go and see which side. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. But what I want to talk to you really quickly about is tone, the tone of Jesus. And I don't want to say he's sarcastic, but I do want to say that he was getting frustrated with his disciples. And the tone is, I've been with you all this time. You've walked with me. You've trusted me. Trust me now. I'm leaving, but trust me now. You can trust me in this. I'm coming back. And they're sad. Lift your heads up. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Watch this. And there's something really, I'm going to use the word wonky about this particular passage of Scripture. It just doesn't sound right. He said, what I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, and then there's a period there. Does that sound right to you? It doesn't sound right to me. He just said prepare like one after the other. But there's a reason why he did this. The prepares, they mean, or the preparation, it means two different things. The first preparation is Christ has prepared a place of acceptance for us. That's good news. He's prepared a place for us in the Father's home. This is not your final destination. I just want to say that. I know for you young people, you don't want to think about the next step. You know, where, where am I going? But one day, life will end for all of us. The Bible says that God gives three score and 10. You know what that is? 70. If you live past 70, then every day after that is a blessing. When I talk to my dad, he, say, he says, I'm, I'm good. He's given me all my days and then some I can go from here. But I'm 52, so I'm, I'm close. I'm getting there. I'm round in the bend. And I'm thinking about home, the place where no one wants to think about. I think about that. Not that I want to go yet. I'm not saying that. I love y'all. And y'all the reason why I want to stay. Wink. She's the reason why I want to stay. 
No, we love life, and God put that within us. The Bible says that eternity is within us, so you, des- you should desire to want to live. But this is not the final destination. But Jesus has prepared a place for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the one who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, Jesus has done what we could not do. You could not prepare a place for yourself. He took your sin and he gave you righteousness for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. And the Bible says that we've all come short. We've all missed the mark. We've all come short of the glorious standard of God. But aren't you glad that Jesus took your sin away and now you're righteous in him and you can never be unrighteous again. You're saved, sanctified, and filled with his spirit. But then there's another preparation, and that is to stay in the state of readiness. Stay in the state of readiness. Jesus was always in the state of readiness. In Luke chapter 15, he had to deal with the religious leaders. And the religious leaders said, man, you know what? You, what you're doing is really dangerous. You're hanging around sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and people that don't act, that don't look like us. And Jesus said, I don't see people like you see people. I don't see people like that. You put them in arbitrary, you ask, you ask them to jump through arbitrary hoops. I'm not telling them to do that. I don't want them to do that. You want them to dress a certain way. I'm not telling them to do that. I'm showing them love. They're my children. I can see, and we want them to come home. So what Jesus did, he said, you know what? Let me give you a story. Let me give you a parable. And he gave three different parables. The three parables was this. The one was that of sheep. A hundred sheep, and then another one was of ten coins, and the last one was of two brothers. And he said that one sheep left the hundred, ninety-nine, right? And he left the ninety-nine to go get the one. The Bible also says that there's a woman who lost one coin. And the Bible says that she swept the house until she found that one coin so she would have the set. And then the last one was two brothers, and one of the brothers were wayward where he would leave his home. So here's how Jesus sees us. And I hope that you see yourself this way as well. So Jesus sees us as sheep that are prone to wander. He sees us, what is a coin? How does he see us? How am I a coin? Well, a coin bears an image. So we're sheep that are prone to wander, that are image bearers of God. Two brothers, those are his kids. So here's what Jesus is saying to the leaders. He's saying, I see them like this. They are my image bearers that are prone to wander, but they're still my kids. And nobody in this place, no one in this place can tell me that they're not prone to wander. You can't say it. And if you're not prone to wander, I just want to hang around you just for a little bit so I can get some of that glory on me. So this is what Jesus tells me. He doesn't see us like other people. This is what I want for the church. 
This is what I want for this church. You know, I will wear a suit on Easter. I will. But the reason why I dress the way that I dress is because I want people to feel like they can come in here the way that they got up. I'm wearing this. I forgot to put deodorant on. I just want you to come to church. I just want you to be here. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what spray paint you're wearing. I don't care black, white, red, brown. It does not matter. I don't care. I just want you to know who Jesus is. Stay in the state of readiness. So Jesus prepared this place also when he was on the cross in the sixth hour, he said something. He said, it is finished. It is done. Your place in salvation is finished. Your place in heaven is also finished. But here's the story that I want to read to you in Luke chapter 30. And this is the main reason why I'm preaching today on this particular uh, subject. Are you in? There's a situation here where there's a lawyer. Do you have any lawyers in the house? Good. (laughs) There's a lawyer, and this lawyer is extremely smart. And as I read this, I see how smart he is. Because he challenges Jesus. Smooth, too. But you can't outfox Jesus. The situation is, he says, how can I go where you're going? I want to go where you're going. And Jesus gives him an impossible task. He said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And he's like, who is my neighbor? That's a slick question, especially if you live in a high rise. That's a real slick question. But then he says, I I could do that. And Jesus says, well, go do it. Then go do it. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Most of us know the story of the Good Samaritan. But today, I want you guys to really pay attention to this Samaritan. Because there's something about this person that is so different reading it today. As you guys read with me, please Check this guy out. He is amazing. He is beyond amazing, in my opinion. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest... That would be me. Or a pastor happened to be going down the same road 
And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him and went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, which are antiseptics, on him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. Two denarii was a day's wages and gave them to the innkeeper. Now, what we know is in history, it only costs one thirty-second of a denarii to stay in an inn, which means that he gave them two months of lodging. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do Likewise, Jesus just told him to do two impossible things without him. What Jesus wanted him to say was, I need you to be able to love my neighbor the way my neighbor is supposed to be loved. I need you so that I can love God. You can't love God without Christ. I'm sorry. He is the mediator between God and man. So I need you, Christ. But this guy says, to him to justify himself who is my neighbor I want to look at a few things here the first thing that I want to look at is the road there's a road that every last one of us must travel we have to travel a road. We go from here and to there, and we want this, or we want to do that, and we make plans, and along the way, we get hurt. Along the way, sometimes we, ended up, we end up bloodied on the side of the road. I want you to know who the person was on the side of the road. The person on the side of the road is you and me and the lawyer. The person on the side of the road is without Christ. And I want to read this to you, follow carefully, and I'm going to connect these dots for you. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him. Who was stripped of their clothes and beaten? Okay, you're going to get it. Leaving him half dead. Now, leaving him half dead, could it be that a person can be alive on the outside and dead on the inside? It's very possible. 
a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Who took pity on you? Who had compassion on you? Who had mercy on you? He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. Oil and wine is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Then he put the man on his own donkey because Jesus came to serve and not be served. And for me to put a man on the donkey, I must come down from the donkey. Who came down? Jesus came down. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them. So that means not only, not only did he take care of him, he stayed with the person that he didn't know for a night. And then he says, and this is why I refer back to John chapter 14. He says, I'm coming back, right? He says, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you. I will repay you everything. Now, doesn't the Bible tell us not to grow weary in doing good? For in due time, you will reap what you sow if you faint not. Doesn't the Bible say that? And who's going to repay you for your good? It's going to be Christ that repays you for your good. Now, I'm starting to think. Now, contextually, contextually, it is not Jesus. So no emails, please. And no text. But I want you to see what is going to take. Now, what is the end? What do you think the end is? And who do you think the end is? The end is me. The end is you. Are you an end? Because people need a place to heal. Notice what he didn't ask the man. He didn't ask the man, why are you bleeding? You know why? Because it doesn't matter why you're bleeding. It doesn't matter if you did it to yourself. It doesn't matter if someone else did it to you. It doesn't matter why you're bleeding. We need to help those that are bleeding. We're the end. The church is the end. You are the end. When you leave this place, you're the end. The world needs you. Don't think that they don't. We're the end, people. We're the end. You know, we, we go through so much just to have a service. Just so you can be comfortable. Just so you can not have any hiccups when you come to church. You can focus on God. But I can tell you this. Those signs don't matter. Those pop signs doesn't matter. Our sound doesn't matter. 
this building does not matter because we could still be dead. If we don't have the spirit of God, it doesn't matter. None of this other stuff matters. None of this material stuff matters if we don't have the spirit of God in us. See, when you have the spirit of God in you, when someone encounters you, they take that with them. They don't forget you because there was something different about you. Whether their life changes or not, it doesn't matter. You made an impact on their life. It does not matter. So all this stuff that you see, And the stuff that we do to be church, to have church, none of it matters if we have not surrendered to the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. We have to completely and totally surrender to him. That way, when someone sits in your presence, they're sitting in the presence of God as well because his spirit is now in you. And when you open up your mouth to speak, things will happen in their lives. Things will change. When you preach the gospel to them and you tell them how good Jesus is, it's going to make an impact in their lives. Oh, they're doing the same thing. So what? Do you know how many conversations has to happen before a person actually gets saved? On average, on average, 11 conversations about God before a person actually comes to the realization that Jesus is the son of God and I must accept him. You just one of the links along the way to accept Jesus. Have those conversations. You know what, sometimes it doesn't even have to be about God. People will call you just to get advice. And you give them godly advice. Are you an in is the question. Jesus said, whatever you spend. Jimmy, please come up here. Jesus said, whatever you spend. So I suggest that we spend all our energy, all our resources, all our efforts, all our intellect, all our prayers on the bleeding, on those that are bleeding. And let me just say this as well. Your brothers and your sisters that are here right now, a lot of them are bleeding. A lot of them need you. I bleed. I hurt. Do you bleed? I mean, I'm not talking about blood. I'm talking about hurt and pain and things like that. You go through things. Are you looking to to the church? Are you going to the church for help? For a conversation? For encouragement? Are you coming to the church? I suggest for all of us, it's just a suggestion though. I suggest that we get to know each other. I wanna get to know someone who doesn't look like me. I wanna know someone that 
Well, I'm black. So I'll take an Hispanic and a white person or an Asian. If you're white, get to know somebody that doesn't look like you. And if you're Hispanic, I mean, what a wide variety. <laughs> because Hispanic, you can be black, you could be blonde hair, blue eyes, and you can look Indian. But get to know somebody that is not of your ethnicity. Because for any church, any church, to go anywhere that has anything to do with growth, it takes us getting to know each other on some level. And of course, we're going to have bookends of people that say, you know what, I don't want to do that. And that's fine. But when the core of the people are saying, I want to know, I want to understand you, I'm a person that grew up in a hood. And I remember all the time telling my mom, I'm getting out of here. I'm not, I'm not staying here. You sure you don't want to stay in Pittsburgh? No, it's, it's called Pitt, Pittsburgh. No, I, I want to stay in Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh, California. I don't want to stay here. I, I, want to, I want to get out of this place. And when I got out of that place, see, my parents, my, my parents, um, I have on my father's side, there's, there's a lot of people that are Caucasian on, on my father's side. And then on, on my mother's side, everybody is, is black. And then we, we, she took me to a uh, family reunion. And at the family reunion, this is when, my, this is when I woke up. Because we didn't, we didn't talk about this stuff. My, my church that I went to, we, we were all black. And so when I went to this family reunion, and I was like, well, Dad, what, what, what is he doing here? And he was like, that's your grandfather. It's like, Granddaddy got blonde hair. So yeah. And here's what I know. Listen, social media is going to divide us, okay? It's going to divide the church. Let them out there, let them fight. Let them fight. Don't get in that fight. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. These are your neighbors. Your church family, let them fight. Don't get involved with that. Are you in? Are you in? Can, can we come to you? Can I say I'm bleeding? Can I say, hey, I'm bleeding, I'm hurting? And I know that you'll pray for me because sometimes that's all we need is prayer. And I know that you'll encourage me with the word of God because sometimes that's all we need. Are you in? Are you what Jesus was talking about when he said, I'm going to repay everything that you do? Come on, let's stand on our feet. And let's give the Lord a hand of praise for his word. He's good.
you know, it was, it was very difficult for me in that. And I needed to talk to my wife before I preached this message to you guys. Because it was, it was very difficult for me to, to get through. Because I'm like, baby, this is what I'm going to be talking about. And I, and I can't say this without, without crying. So this, this is what I'm going to be talking about. And so I cried on the phone with her and I got it all out so that I could be dry up here. But when I was thinking about that and I was thinking about, and let me just be real with you. When I was thinking about how much I hated people and where God has brought me from. And then I see you guys and I see God doing things in your lives and taking you to another level in him. The only thing that I can say is glory be to his name. I thank you, God, because I hated people. I could not stand them. But now it's totally different. It's totally different. There's still people that I don't like. But it's okay not to like them, right? Because the love will cover the multitude of sin. And even though you don't like how they are, God's going to do something in you that you'll be able to tolerate whatever it is that's going on in them. Don't, Don't make that face. I saw you. I saw you. They know exactly who I'm talking to. God can do it if you allow him to do it. I'm an end. And I want to see people stop bleeding. I believe that God has called us as the church to do that. And I believe that what God was showing us in that story was this is the community of people that I want to build. And it happens right here. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for this time that we've had. God, you are so good. And I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the revelation of your word. I pray for each person that is in this place today. If there's someone in here today the Spirit of God is, is here right now. If there's someone that's in this place today that says, Pastor, I would like to ask for forgiveness of my sins. And I want to walk with God. I want Him to change my life. I want Him to sit on my heart. I want Him to lead me. If that is you, if you would just lift your hand right where you're I see the hand. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? I see the hand. Is there anyone else? Praise God. Praise the living God. Can we give the Lord a hand for those two people that raised their hand? Come on. You could do better than that. Come on. tell you you made the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life and we want to come alongside 
you and, and help you in this, there is a connection card. If you haven't filled one out, please fill it out. We want to be able to send you an email and walk this out with you. Amen.